back in March when the lockdown began and everybody went into their homes, began to look at the lay of the land and the idea of this gospel adventure we've been talking about. And you begin to wonder, you know, should we be going through the book of Acts? You know, as I was kind of looking at the church stuff and thinking, we're going to talk about evangelism. We're going to talk about the mission of God. We're going to talk about all these things while stuck in our houses. It didn't make a lot of sense because the church building was closed. How are we supposed to invite people? You know, when we're all locked alone in our homes, how am I supposed to engage in evangelism? Um, Paul was going to be traveling all over the world and all global travel was shut down. There was all these issues that seemed to be contradictory contradictory to the situation of the book of Acts and our current setting. And yet what I want to challenge us today is that this gospel adventure doesn't have to stop. And we can see this actually here in Acts chapter 28, beginning in verse 17 through 31. I'm glad we did go through Acts. I'm glad we dove in and looked at Dr. Luke's history of the early Christian church. And as we examine these last verses in the book, I think it's going to, again, challenge us to look at our situation in new light. In fact, what we find is Paul is under house arrest. He's been completely locked in. He has got a chain to another soldier. He's in in the middle of Rome. He is not allowed to uh, basically leave his home without a Roman soldier or do much without a Roman soldier attached right to him. He is a criminal in the eyes of the law right now. And yet in this situation, which is so similar to ours, where he can't go anywhere, he actually manages to do something pretty incredible. Let's take a look at this as you open your Bibles up there to Acts chapter 28. We're going to begin in verse 17. It says, after three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews. And when they had gathered, he said to them, brothers, though I'd done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. What I love about what Paul does here is that Paul actually continues to take time to engage with the gospel. He pulls in the leadership. And well, why? What, what's the point? Why is he talking to this leadership in the first place? And again, it's because he, he's digging in. He wants to meet some people. He wants to connect with the leadership. He wants to honor the Jewish leadership of Rome. And he wants to find out if they know anything about him, to be honest. But also Paul has a strategy in the gospel. He shows up in Romans and he says actually that this is a gospel he's unashamed of and it goes to the Jew first and then to the Gentiles. And so he stuck with his strategy we see throughout the book of Acts. I'm going to preach to the Jewish people and then I'll take it to the Gentiles. And so he brings these Jewish leaders in. He speaks to them, finds out where he's at because he has a deep care for his family. He has a deep care for these people. Yet here's the thing. Paul is in house arrest. And he still manages to find an audience. He still manages to bring people together. And the challenge that I want to bring from this text to us, while we may be locked away in our homes because of COVID, or you may be out limiting your life in certain ways because you don't want to engage with people and you have somebody vulnerable in your life, I want to challenge us that the, this gospel adventure doesn't have to end. No matter who no matter where, there is always a way to share. That's the point in this text. I want you guys to grasp that. No matter who, no matter where, there's always a way to share. We want to bring this message to people. We want to find a way to share Christ. And we can always find a way. 
There's always an entry point. In our current situation, maybe it was the opportunity for you to actually reach your neighbors. We talk about connecting with your eight non-Christian neighbors all the time. Why not, in this scenario, try to get out there and still continue to connect with them, those who are in fear, those who may have need, those who otherwise you didn't even know. I know under extreme circumstances, there was a fire near my house at one time, and in this extreme circumstance, all my neighbors gathered together. I know of a family in our church who actually literally went door to door with a sticky note and just basically put on there, hey, we're here, this is our names, this is our number, we want to pray with you, let us know. And they went door to door to door. And when somebody answered, they'd stay distant back, they'd keep their mask on, but they would introduce themselves and they would pray with them. And they were building a connection with their neighbors who otherwise they would have never seen because they were all driving everywhere because we are a commuter town here in Corona. And you may be watching this in your home thinking, Wow, I can do that. Yes, you can do that right now. You could get up at the end of this service and you can go outside and you can begin to connect with your neighbors and begin that gospel adventure. You don't have to go across seas and we don't have to be limited even by this COVID situation. Now, in our current situation, you also have a chance possibly to connect with your family. Paul connected with his Jewish family in a sense. He was able to bring them in. You know, there's an opportunity to reconnect with lots of people. Maybe it's through Facebook, social media, or somewhere like that, that you haven't seen in years. Maybe family members you haven't had the time to talk to, and now you have the time. Take that moment. Make those connections. Begin to build those relationships in, because no matter who it is, no matter where you are, it's, the point is there's always a way to share Christ in all of these things. Now, I love what Paul does here. He pauses and he takes time to find out where these Jewish leaders are at. He just doesn't jump right in and start preaching at them. He wants to stop, pause, and say, hey, where are you guys at? Have you heard about me? Here's my statement. Here's where I'm at. And I want you guys to know I am here for one reason. I'm here for the hope of Israel. And I think he was doing this on purpose to kind of gather them in to find out a few things about them, to find out where they were. Was he a hindrance to the gospel? Were they opposed to the gospel? What is happening here? And, and Paul gives us a great illustration. When you start to connect with neighbors, if you start to connect with family, maybe it's you start to reconnect with those work people. What an awesome opportunity just to pause for a minute and get to know them. And, and what you're looking for a few things. First, find out what are their hangups. A lot of people have hang-ups with Christianity. They grew up in, in a children's ministry world of church. And nothing's wrong with children's ministry, except that when you stop and think you got Christianity from your children's ministry. No, you got to go beyond the children's stories. you got to dive into the Bible. And a lot of people got hurt by people and have hang-ups with the stories in the Bible and, and situations that they think they've heard about or looked at YouTube on or things. And we need to address those. We need to say, hey, what are your hang-ups about Christianity? What are your hang-ups in these scenarios? What are their hurts? A lot of people don't reject Christianity because of the gospel, because of what Jesus did for them on the cross, or the fact that he's reigning and ruling. They reject it because somebody hurt them. They reject them because somebody in a church setting somewhere at some time, or somebody who called themselves a Christian, had caused them a pain or caused them sorrow of some kind. And when you can bring this up, you can begin to engage it. Or maybe even you can ask questions about what is their heart. Sometimes people have no idea that what they're passionate about. What they're excited about in Christianity actually, or in their heart, and excited about in their life, lines up with Christianity. It lines up with what we believe. And we can find these things and connect with these things and, and gather this information. In fact, it's actually an opportunity to clear the air. I've had times where I've talked to people who have come back to church and just apologize for what other people have done in their life. 
I've had opportunities to actually answer questions for them as they're wrestling through scripture. Maybe for you, it's an opportunity to help clear the air as Paul kind of clears the air about their hangups and maybe who he was and what he was proclaiming. And so you want to sympathize at times with their hangups because you've had hangups, you've had struggles. You can apologize or, or connect with their hurts or you can just simply connect Christ to their heart, to what they're excited about. The whole goal here is to see what is God doing before we jump in thinking we know what God is doing, right? So we take that time, we connect in, we can continue to connect even in this situation because Paul was able to do this in his situation, we can do this as well. In fact, when Paul did this, he got, he got a lot out of it. We, we find out it goes on. They said to him, we've received no letters from Judea and about you and, and none of the brothers coming here as reported or spoken any evil about you, but we desire to hear from you what your views are. For with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. And so Paul has this chance to gather this information, to clear the air. And the old adage is still true, and I think he illustrates this. People don't care what you know until they know that you care. And Paul took a minute to respect these Jewish leaders, took a minute to respect their opinion and what they may have heard about him, to clear the air about the hangups, what could be there in the way. And actually what he did is he opened the door. They said, we want to hear from you what your views are. We want to gather information from you because it's your views that we're interested in now because you cared about us. This is critical that we take that time to build those bridges, to link forward because it will open a door. And he found a way to bring evangelism even when it came with a chain. Paul's locked in the house. We're locked in houses. Paul was locked in a place. We, we can't go very far, and yet there is still a gospel adventure to get engaged in. No matter who, no matter where, there always is a way to share. And that's what Paul is showing us over and over and over again. In fact, as we continue forward, that appointed day comes. We pick it up here in verse 23. When, that day had appointed, when they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. I love this. Paul is going to take this moment. He's going to present the gospel. More people have shown up than were there before. More people have appeared. And now, boom, it's an opportunity in the house. And so Paul begins to give the gospel. And he uses the Old Testament. He begins to lay it out. And reminds us that when we have these opportunities, we need to be ready to share Christ. Guys, we need to be ready to present the gospel. Paul was able to use it from his Bible. He was able to go from his Old Testament, scripture upon scripture upon scripture, laying out who Jesus was. I think we as Christians should know our Bible well enough to begin to lay out the prophecies and the expectation that's laid into the storyline about Jesus in the Bible. You, we should be able to start in Genesis and be able to point to the fact that when Adam and Eve were cursed and it came to the serpent's turn, it actually was told to them that the offspring of Eve, this one seed, this one born from Eve's line would crush this serpent even though he was going to receive a fatal blow. 
We should be able to go forward and see that Moses had prophesied that there was one who was going to be a prophet like him coming to lead almost like a new exodus. We should be able to point to people to the Passover story and show how Jesus on the cross was the image of our sins being passed over just as that lamb and his blood on the doorposts showed the Passover of their sins. We should be able to jump into the Psalms and show how God was predicting the fact that Jesus was coming, the messianic king, that he was going to be a son of God, that he was going to be somebody who was actually um, crucified on a cross, that he was going to be somebody who casts out demons and brings peace to the world. We could go to the prophets. We should be able to land in Isaiah and begin to lay out this one who is going to be born of a virgin. Or we can go to Zechariah and see that the one who is pierced, they're going to look upon him and it is actually our God. There are so many points throughout the Old Testament that we should be able to draw into and lead people to an understanding that Jesus fulfills the Old Testament. Jesus fulfills these promises. And we should be able to then launch into the gospel, launch them into an opportunity to hear about who Jesus is and what he has done. Now, that's going to take time. In fact, what does Paul do? He actually says, from morning till evening. He spent the entire day going through his Old Testament, his Hebrew scriptures, right? Over and over and over again, teaching and telling the story of Jesus. Like it's going to take time. And I would say the best way to actually begin a great evangelistic conversation with people is invite them to a study of the Bible. Invite them on in. It, it, it's going to take time, but you're going to go through a Bible study with them. You're going to be revealing Jesus to them. You're going to be engaged in the Word of God. You're going to be dealing with their hang-ups. You're going to be showing them how it connects to their heart. You're going to be helping them through their hurts. Because it's going to take time, but also we're connected to the Bible. You see... Greg, I just don't even know how I would even begin. Well, a great place to start is to take the share keystone. As it's getting set up and moving, jump on board, learn how to share your faith. Maybe it's time to get into the Word of God a little deeper and see how Jesus shows up in every book. Now, this is an old book, but it's a great book. It's called What the Bible is All About by a woman named Henrietta Mears. She was actually one of the people that discipled Billy Graham. And she writes this book because she wants to take people through every single book of the Bible, and she calls it the scarlet thread that is woven through the whole thing, revealing Jesus. And I would recommend this is a great thing to have in your library and a great book to work through with other people. Or, hey, maybe you're a little younger and you're more visual. Use the Bible Project. It's an excellent YouTube piece that is just layered and layered and layered with words and each book of the Bible gives you awesome opportunities to have conversations. They have podcasts on top of that. And you can just go deep with a friend to introduce them to the Bible. And it's visual and it's excellent. But don't take this lack of being ready as something that you should just keep. You need to get ready. Be ready. You're a disciple. We're called to this gospel adventure. Let's be on it. And Paul was. And as he presents this message and as he engages with them and he takes that time and he doesn't quit, um, God actually began to bring people to know him. And we want to trust that God is going to bring people to know him. That's why we keep moving forward, right? And so we pick up, it says, and some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. But here's the point. Some were convinced. Some of these people actually received Jesus Christ. They saw that this was their Messiah. And this is an important thing that we need to be able to do. We need to help people see Jesus to have that opportunity. Maybe you're watching this for the first time. 
And you need to hear that Jesus is the one that's going to answer these problems that you're looking at in this world. And I pray that you would trust him. I pray that you would connect with Christ. Now, some of these people don't. Others disbelieved, it says. It says they reject him. Now, these are Jewish leaders. These people know their Old Testament. And they're disagreeing with Paul. They're saying, you don't know what you're talking about. This is ridiculous. Well, Paul had a warning for them. And we pick up on this warning here in verse 25. It says, In disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will indeed hear but never understand, and you will indeed see but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with the ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. This is incredible. What Paul is doing here in his warnings, he's continuing his evangelism. You say, what? What's going on? This is a section from the book of Isaiah chapter 6. Now, Isaiah was a prophet in Israel. You'll find that in the Old Testament. And in this section, Isaiah has now found himself before the courtroom of God. God is enthroned. The cherubim are singing. And he's standing there as God has gathered all of his spiritual beings around him. And he's taking in kind of this royal court. And he's dealing with uh, Isaiah's sin by putting a coal on his lips. And suddenly now he's asked this question, who will go for us? And Isaiah says, I'll go, I'll go. I'll go, on behalf, I'll go on behalf of the royal court. I'll do this, God. I'll, I'll do this for you. And then he tells them those very verses, fine, go, but they're not going to listen to you. Go and, and speak, but they're not going to hear you, lest they would turn and actually be healed. I think Paul selected this on important verse because that word healed is interesting. It only shows up one other time in the book of Isaiah. In fact, where it shows up is Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, where it says, But he, talking about this one who was coming, this messenger, th this one who was um, God's servant, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that, was brought, that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Paul was linking this thought. He was saying, you've rejected Jesus, who by his wounds we are healed as a nation. We are healed as a people. We are healed from our sins. We are, we are forgiven of our transgressions. That's purposeful sin. We are, he was crushed for our iniquities. That is just the, the besetting sin that is within us. Jesus took that. And he's saying, you guys aren't even listening, that you have a sacrifice, one who has died for you, so your sins are passed over. But even more than that, he says, this salvation, note that again, he says, this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. Where does he get that word salvation from? Well, it's interesting because the salvation was connected to this idea of the kingdom of God. The salvation of God and the kingdom of God bind together because God was coming to save them. God was coming to give them good news. God was coming to bring them from their sins. And it all comes in this Isaiah 52, 7 section where the gospel is shown. This is the beginning of that whole section where suddenly Jesus is basically revealed by Isaiah in the Old Testament. It says, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. The gospel, right? Who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, there's our word, who says to Zion, your God, what? 
reigns. You're sitting at home right now. You're watching this wherever you're at. And what you need to understand is that when Isaiah prophesied this one who would bear our sins, he was speaking of a king who was going to come with good news that God reigns. And here's the news. The kingdom of God has come. Our God on the cross, namely Jesus, bore our sins. And there he defeated our sins. But when he rose from the dead, he defeated all the gods of this world. He defeated the spiritual beings that surround us. He defeated the nations and he rose from the dead victorious and he ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father. And now he is Lord of Lords. He is King of Kings. Let's just say he's President of Presidents. He's Governor of Governors. There is no one who beats Jesus. There is no one that we bend the knee to but Jesus. He is victor. He is king. And his kingdom, which is crashing into this world and taking over this world, is unending, unshakable, unstoppable. Yeah, it doesn't feel like our kingdom's that unshakable right now, does it? It doesn't feel like any of the world nations have got this figured out. But I guarantee you that the victory of Jesus over death, over sin, over disease, over all the sufferings of humanity, over the enemy, over all the spiritual forces that are against us in this world, his victory is unshakable. And we stand firm on the message that Paul was giving to his Jewish brothers and sisters was, your God reigns. He's victorious. He has won. The God of Israel, Yahweh, the creator God who made it all, has become the victorious king. And here's the great news. He hasn't rejected us or destroyed us because we ran after our sinful desires or we bowed our knees to foreign gods or we ran after yoga and Buddhism and Hinduism or we made up our own American gods, whatever is. He hasn't rejected us. He's actually proclaiming to us, I already won. Come be on my side. I love you. I will give you forgiveness. I will be merciful to you. I will release you and you will be my children and you will reign forever in this kingdom with me. You'll have an inheritance. That's the good news that comes out. That's the exciting piece that we get to be a part of. That's the message that these people rejected. And I don't get it. How could we reject it? They had these scriptures. This was their kingdom, their Messiah. I remember getting really excited when I found out that um, a particular person named Ben Shapiro was going to be interviewing uh, William Lane Craig, a Christian apologist that I highly respect. Because uh, Ben Shapiro, who is Jewish and has a political show, was interviewing this man who is a Christian apologist. I'm thinking, this is it, man. He's meeting the best of the best. And it was fascinating to watch as, as Ben, who's very logical in so many things, suddenly just shut down. It was like a, a veil rolled right over his face as, as William Lane Craig began to lay out the evidence for the resurrection and the Messiahship of Jesus. And right there was what I think Paul probably saw in the eyes of some of his friends. As he would write in the book of Romans, he says, Lest you be wise in your own sight, you non-Jewish people, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel. There is something that just stops Jewish people from wanting to hear this. It halts them because a partial hardening. Some believe, some become what we call completed Jews, and we praise God. They found their king. This is their kingdom. We're pumped for them. But a partial hardening has come upon them until the fullness of the Gentiles, the nations, that's what that word means, has come in. Guys, you know what's going on here? That Paul basically looks at them and says, this salvation is being rejected by you. You guys are hardened by this. So the nations are going to hear it. 
which means we have a job to do, guys. Right now, we must finish bringing this glorious news of the victory of Jesus over all the sin and suffering, over all the evil powers of this world, over all the government world, all this stuff. Guys, we get to bring this to the nations. We get to bring it to India. We get to bring it into the Islamic bloc. We get to bring it into China. We get to bring it to Mongolia. We get to bring it in Southeast Asia. We get to bring it back to Europe. We get to bring it back to America. Guys, we get to bring this message to the nations. And maybe what God has been stirring in the book of Acts as you've been shut in your room is you need something bigger. You need to have a greater purpose for living than the stuff of this world. I tell you, the adventure of the gospel is exactly what you need. And maybe what God's calling you to do is get on a plane, throw all this stuff out and go bring a message to a people that otherwise wouldn't hear it if you didn't go. Maybe he's calling us to get out and to be into our streets and with our people who are surrounding us, with our families, and to tell a gospel that cannot be shaken or stopped and to deal with those hardships, to deal with those hangups, to deal with that hurt. Guys, this is an opportunity that is beyond opportunities. And it doesn't matter that you're stuck in your home, no matter who, no matter where, there's always a way to share. There's always a way to share even the gospel to the nations. Some of you have neighbors on your block who have family members that live in other nations that don't have Jesus. And by reaching them, they reach their family members. Some of us literally are reaching people in our neighborhoods who will go home to those nations and bring that message. We can do global missions right on our street. We can do global missions all over the place. But guys, this is our opportunity. And COVID can't stop you. Now, the, the restrictions can't stop you. If you desire to bring the gospel, you've got a computer, you've got opportunities, you've got chances to go down streets, you've got every shot you can to bring this message on your way out. And guys, this is what Paul is revealing to us. This is what we've been challenged to bring the message of Jesus and his kingdom to this world. Now, we've got to finish this job. And so we see that Paul was willing to do that. In fact, being chained to a Roman soldier didn't stop him. Even when those Jewish leaders walked out, we pick it up here in verse 30. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And this is where I want to leave us, guys. We've got to get bold again. We've got to get bold again. We've got to get some grit back into our system. Man, we are scared we are freaked out, but we forget Jesus is victorious and, we, and that when we are walking with him, yeah, you're going to have tough times. Brent taught us that last week. You're going to run into stuff, but we have the opportunity with some grit to bring a message that will finish so many problems in this world. You want to deal with racial reconciliation? Man, bring the gospel. You want to deal with economic inequalities? Bring the gospel. If you want to deal with the governments of this world, then we proclaim the gospel because it changes the human heart. It changes our orientation to be givers, to be sharers, to be people who love, to be people who are self-sacrificial, to be people who transform the world. We don't hide away. We don't care that we got good stuff. We care to give good stuff. We care to live for Christ. We care to share Christ. We care to love him. Guys, wherever we go. And right now, yeah, that's on our blocks and our streets. But no matter who, no matter where, there always is a way to share. The only thing that allow you to be like Paul, who preaches without hindrance, is to not be your own hindrance. That's it. 
What the book of Acts shows me is no matter what position a Christian is placed in in this world, no matter what we face, no matter where we are, no matter who, no matter where, there's always a way to share. And the only thing that's a hindrance is myself. Let's get out there with the message to bring it to those who need it. It is time for this message to answer the questions of the hearts of our people, the hurts and the hangups, so that they may know him and have a kingdom that's unshakable. Go. Go. Go.